Four, I think. Are you okay? <laughs> are you, have, you, have you taken your medication today? <laughs> I haven't actually. No, well, there you Go are. Go and get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, strawberry yogurt. Yeah. Thank you. Here we go. Podcast 94, direct from the Wiggly Sofa in Blakemere. I'm Heather Goins from Wiggly Wigglers and... I'm Richard from Wiggly Wigglers. You are, aren't you? Indeed. And we've got a special show coming up today. We have. Going to be a good one. Yeah. Monty is back. And I thought instead of him constantly regurgitating facts on worms, that maybe he should move on, broaden his horizons. Does he remember these facts? You know, because he, he, he goes and does his little bit of research and he comes back and he gives us all these little facts and figures. Does he remember them? Can you, do you ever test him afterwards? Hopefully he does. I don't know. But of course, he Those listens to the podcast weekly. Does he? No. <laughs> <laughs> he says, Mum's doing that thing again. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, if you are listening, Monty, welcome. We have Monty's weekly fact on pigs coming up. But first, we've got to go to Richard, who's interviewing Rachel Detain, of all people. Yeah, excellent. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. It's a shame I'm not able to speak to her in person, but, you know, I guess over the phone is a, is a good alternative. Thanks for taking the time to speak to me yeah, as well. Yeah, no, it's fine. We've never met. I've seen you, uh, I've seen you from afar on, um, on frequent occasions at various flower shows. Various shows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're unmistakable, really. Isn't oh, it? gosh. So, well, <laughs> yes, and I'm probably surrounded by film crews aren't I so I can't uh, can't ever get away it's, yeah, I'm always really, trying to escape yeah, but they always yeah. find me in the end it, it tends to be I think you guys are uh, kind of inundated aren't you when you go to these things you, you, I'm surprised you ever have a chance to sort of stand and look and, and stare at anything well very often we don't and that's um, that's the only downside yeah sure <laughs> I was just—I was reading some stuff about you earlier on, because yeah. uh, I've never uh, really had the chance to mm-hmm. see see what your background was. And of course, <laughs> you know, of course, the internet. Really, if you Google someone now, um, if, well, if you Google anybody, in oh, fact, yes. you can get a whole world of information. Dreams of but, nonsense. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, a lot of it is, I guess. Yeah. Um, I wasn't sure. I couldn't quite decipher how many children you you have. I've got four now. Four, right, mm. right, okay. What is amazing is you, you I mean, I, I appreciate your father had a real interest in gardening, yes. but, but your, your career didn't start off um, with, with anything even remotely resembling gardening. No, no. Although, quite interestingly, even when I was doing all these other things, when I was modelling and so on, I, I was sort of closet gardener. And it probably was quite uncool, you know, in my 20s to, to talk too much about it. But I used to go on, on shoots and sort of take gardening magazines with me rather than Vogue, you know. So it was, uh, yeah. even then, yeah. there was this uh, latent uh, tendency you see. <laughs> That's quite nice. When you started gardening, now you're in gardening, so to speak, big time. Yeah. Um, did you enjoy it more before when you were modelling, when you were doing other things, when you were working? Cause you, did you work for, work for an antiques company as well, didn't you? Yes, I, I did. I worked in an art gallery for a while. I think, no, I didn't enjoy it more. It was just different. Yeah. I'm still enjoying the gardening itself as much as I've ever done. I just count myself incredibly lucky that I've been able to broaden it out and actually work in that field as well. You know, it's it, wonderful. It is, a, it is a lovely thing. To it be able really to is, and and the people are always hobby. very nice too. You know, it seems that is, to. That is, there is 
there's a lot of truth in that. Yeah, yes. I don't know whether it's. I mean, it must be something to do with the fact that garden is, is kind of wholesome. I think you, so, and it you, it means you have to be patient. Yeah. And I think it does appeal to a certain type of person, perhaps. Definitely, uh, but more and more people seem to be getting into it. Very and younger too. Facts. Yeah, sure. And I think it's. I guess it's an, an awareness raising thing. You know, yeah. More, certainly, so far as vegetable growing is concerned, more and more. Very people much really so. Getting into it. Very much so. That's definitely the new thing. You know, allotments and growing your own fruit and veg because I think we all just want to know where everything comes from and Absolutely. Well I'm just starting to now because I've at last got the space to be able to do so properly so I'm just literally in the process of building raised beds at the moment and nice. next year I'll be up and running and yeah, yeah. that's it I hope Brilliant, what about the, what about the kids? How, how old are they? Do they, do they well, get into that yet? Or? Yes, I mean they, they range from 18 to um, just under 2 Right. So I've got the whole spectrum of yeah. Yeah, yeah. Teen- nice, teenagers yeah, down to nappies and so yeah, on then. yes I mean certainly my, my three year old in particular is in- extremely keen and she's quite good she can pick out a lot of plants you know I, I don't just say the flower you know I, I say the tulip or the, the rose or whatever it is so that she starts to pick up on what things are yeah yeah and what about the 18 year old uh, not so into it at the moment like yeah. <laughs> like sunbathing in it <laughs> there, are, there, are, there are many things that you think about when you're 18 years of age and I, I can't remember gardening being one of them <laughs> no perhaps 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 that's the um, one time when it's little, uh, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. in the forefront of your mind. There's a period in your life, you know, yes. where, where when the kind of natural things don't uh, well, certain natural things are a big feature. Yes, but, but uh, yeah, gardening gardening ain't one of them. <laughs> So did you, I mean, did your dad used to grow vegetables? Was he? Uh, um, yes, he did. He had a really lovely vegetable garden and um, fruit cages, particularly are the things I remember, picking raspberries and things and gooseberries. And that's what I'm looking forward to particularly. Yeah, yes, yeah. Very um, much. My, my mum used to make the best gooseberry fool. In fact, oh, I spoke yes. to her today, so I remember you got that recipe. So, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and because uh, I, I was looking, I went to speak to a, a chap called Terry Walton. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you heard him. He, he's, he's a lovely bloke and he has a little feature on the Jeremy Vine show mm-hmm. every couple of weeks and I went to him he's had the most humongous gooseberry bush at the top mm-hmm. of his patch mm-hmm. and I was stuffing my face with gooseberries as I was talking to him and I thought I've got to get one of these in the garden now because it's, it's a plant that's so easy to grow and, and it's, yeah, it's very versatile yes yes and I love gooseberry I love gooseberry jam I think it's one of my favorites I'm sure it's very good for you as well oh yes definitely you, when you're modeling do you have to consider your diet at all? Well, no, to be honest, I I didn't. You know, I'm sort of probably a very unhealthy model. Lots lots of chocolate, I found. You know, that, that did the trick. Or not, as the case may be. No. I, mean, much, it's, I mean, skin has got to be quite an important thing, hasn't it? When you have close-up shots and things like that, and you, you'd imagine that. Yes, uh, but makeup works wonders. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it does. Yeah, I mean, do you think about the kind of makeup you wear now? I mean, has, well, no, it's it's quite funny now because I've gone from one extreme to another, and and uh, you know, people think of filming as as very glamorous, and I, I sort of make a bit of an effort for the shows and things. Uh, yeah. But general, the, most of the gardeners' world stuff I do, you you put a, a bit of slap on first thing in the morning and then literally don't look again until last thing at night and sometimes I get a bit of a shock and think gosh you know someone should have told me I should have powdered my nose yeah yeah absolutely oh, I mean the guys always seem Alan Titchmarsh always seems the consummate professional I've never had a chance to speak to him and yes it seems like such a genuine no play. he really is he's one of life's gentlemen you know yeah. he's uh, an absolute joy to work with very generous and helpful and 
when I know I'm working with him, I always feel relaxed immediately. And, and what about Monty? What's he like? Monty as well. Well, Monty's got this wonderful passion about gardening, and it's, you can see, you know, that what he really believes. He's obviously a you know a very very keen advocate of organic gardening, and there's this you know this wonderful sense of um, enthusiasm that he just managed to transmit when he's gardening. Yeah, sure. That's why he is well, a key guy in many respects. Yeah, yes, definitely. So he just definitely comes across as, yep. as, as being really knowledgeable yes. and very enthusiastic. I've, I've seen him a lot. Again, not something I've had a chance to speak to, really, but, um, he, you know, he, he tend to go to shows. And what, fortunately for me, I didn't have to go to many shows this year. <laughs> I did see you fleeting across a couple of days before BBC Gardens World Live was about to oh, start. Yes. Because I dropped off a couple of wormeries for Joe Swift to demonstrate. Right. Mm-hmm. I saw you bustling about there doing, <laughs> doing bits that everybody does, you know, the, the kind of the madness before the, uh, the madness, really. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you is that I read your favourite flower. Now, we are essentially a natural gardening company, mm-hmm. and so we encourage people to garden for wildlife. And when I, I go out and do talks and bits and pieces like that for various horticultural clubs, and interestingly, one of my least favourite flowers mm. uh, are roses. Mm-hmm. And, and I noticed that... Uh, no, one of my favourites. one of your favourites. <laughs> and and uh, I think perhaps for slightly different reasons that they're, um, A, they're kind of thorny, and I detest being scratched when I when I'm <laughs> doing stuff in the garden but also I think for me people often have roses and they concentrate on the blooms you know and try to bump off all the insects that get on the that are that are attracted to those blooms, yes. um, like earwigs that munch on the petals and, and aphids and things like that. Yes. So for me, I was kind of, I'm, I was really intrigued by the detail and the relationships between those those creatures that are on the plants. So mm-hmm. roses are fine as long as people aren't inclined to kill off the creatures that they um, that they hold. But yes. what, I mean, what is it about roses that you find so interesting? Well, I think various things. I mean, I think firstly it's just the sheer beauty of them I do find them extraordinary and I know what you mean some some roses perhaps the shape of the plant can be a bit ungainly some of the, sometimes more recently because the, the concentration has been on breeding for flower shape and, and so on the, the overall form the foliage has perhaps been neglected but you know you look at something like Charles de Mills which is just a beautiful plant with yeah. gorgeous leaves and then you get this fantastic flower as well um, and of course some of the, the better ones you know where you have the repeat flowering the more recent introduction Productions, wonderful scent. Uh, there are a few things I can think of that are looking good in May, June, and, and yet you can pick flowers in December. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's how you use them as well. I'm not particularly keen on that monoculture of a, a rose garden. I prefer to mix them with other plants, and right, I think excellent. I think that's the way to get the best from them. Yeah. Absolutely. And the whole sort of aphid thing. Well, you know, yes, it's a bit of live and let live. And yeah, what do you do? I'm going to put you on the spot now. Um, okay. Well, I I sort aphid. of. I mean, I've got a fairly small garden, so it's been able to keep on top of it. Literally, sometimes. I just go and brush them off with my fingers. Right. Have you found that there are fewer aphids this year? Seem to be. Yes, the rain I, d- has yes, I don't off. think it's been bad this year at all. I seem to remember the beginning of the year, you know, that really lovely, long, warm period. Yes. And there were aphids building up. And yeah. since the last few weeks, we've had this ridiculous rainfall all the time. It's yes, just, exactly. It's kind of bumped them off. Exactly. But, you know, you need to make sure you've got lots of ladybirds, ladybird towers, and things like that. Yeah, and then, sure. You know, and of course, that's something that the in. children can build as well, yeah. you know, and uh, it's a great thing for them. The other thing I, I was, I was going to say to you is you've put, recently uh, put together a list of your favourite gardens. One thing yes. I was going to ask you is what is the favourite, what's your very favourite task oh, in the garden? Favourite task? favourite thing you enjoy doing in the garden? Well, I, don't, I mean, I've, I've certainly, I've, I've been working with crops. 
Croft actually to produce this guide, which is, okay. includes some of the most wonderful gardens across the country. Yeah. And you look at them and you think, well, the amount of work, the manpower, you know, that's gone into creating these gardens and maintaining them at such a level is extraordinary. So when I think about what my own favourite task is, it's really quite difficult because there are lots of things I love doing. I, I think for keen gardeners, it's the actual gardening that's the pleasure. It, while it's wonderful to sort of sit back and relax and, and I'm trying, you know, to do more of that and certainly I'm enjoying that, you know, having those moments. Yeah. I pretty much like everything, you know, I don't mind weeding and, and um, you know, deadheading is lovely on a summer evening and yeah. edging the lawn is always satisfying because you've got that nice crisp line. I mean, the, you know, planting, of course, that's what sort of what it's all about. So, it is, it is, yes, all of it, really. Thing, yeah. Yeah, there isn't much yeah. that I don't enjoy, actually. Well, I'm surprised you have much time, really, to do, because you must have a very busy schedule. Yes, it is. It is pretty busy, but I'm... I've, I've been known certainly to go out, you know, quite late at night and garden, particularly in the summer, you know, if that's right. the only opportunity I have. Yeah, in many respects, that's one of the nicest times anyway, isn't it? Yes. When the air's still and quiet and there's yes. a lot more scent in the garden exactly. as well. Exactly. <laughs> over your roses, I think that's probably about the best time of it day. It is to pretty be good. Out there. Yeah. And, and this list of, of your favourite gardens, yeah. I mean, what, which uh, out of the list is a whole bunch, you put Eden down mm. and uh, Trillisic. I mm-hmm. noticed you haven't put Heligan down. Is that the... Well, no, really, because... Um, I couldn't, well, obviously there are hundreds of gardens yeah, I could have included yeah. and would have liked to have included, so yeah. it's drawing the line somewhere. But I don't think I've got a particular favourite amongst them. Um, I mean, I suppose, you know, Hidkit just sort of springs to mind because it's such a quintessential English garden and I think it's sort of yeah well it sort of encompasses so much of what we think of when we think about the way we garden in this country so but no each one of them you know has some particular something really special and unique to that particular place so that that is it isn't it yes the diversity I think that makes exactly gardening so stimulating exactly and it's also I think you know if you open your your mind and your heart to what's out there you can see as much beauty in formal bedding as you can in a a fernery or an alpine garden so that it's just this extraordinary diversity that keeps me hooked yeah absolutely well I've got to say it's been lovely talking to you thank you very much indeed nice to speak to you you too cheers Rachel bye bye well there we are well I've got to say thank you to Ben Whitmarsh from www.radiolinks.co.uk who I met at the Radio Academy and gave me me the opportunity to interview Rachel which I kindly donated to you you are a thoughtful soul aren't you (laughs) Anyway, the big moment is here. We had a preview last week of the moment that Monty walked back through that studio door and sat himself down at the wiggly sofa for his worm cast, which we've altered to a pig cast. So here he is. Bring it on, Monty. Monty's pig cast, a weekly fact on pigs. Pigs have big families. A sow can have as many as 15 piglets at a time. Thanks, Monty, and thank you to the pigs for the inspiration for a pig cast. And from son to father, here comes Farmer Phil, for no doubt a bit of waffle. Okay, well, that noise in the background you can hear, the dogs slobbering all over one another. So there's a whole little thing going on with Phil stroking and encouraging this this, uh, (laughs) slightly bonkers (laughs) behaviour. The pigs didn't... Um... The pigs didn't mind the dogs at all. We, we had a look and we went to walking around to see the pigs because I hadn't really seen them prior to today, so it was, it was great to see them and they were there ensconced in their little, little retreat 
Right, about three miles away from where they're supposed to be. The Tamworth pig decided, didn't she, that uh, that although it was similar colour to the, the toast and jam, she was having none of that. She, did, she put the wind at the dogs big time. The dogs were really kind of interested to see what was going on, but yeah, she chased them away. But they're not. I thought they were quite wild, but they're not wild at all. They've come up. They're not at the stage yet where they feed out of your hands. But they're quite inquisitive. But the unfortunate thing about pigs, as far as eating is concerned, is they do have a little glint in their eye, and you can see that there's a, an element of intelligence, which is a bit disconcerting, really, when you know you've got to cut their throats in a few months' time. <laughs> but there you are. Never mind. It's got to be done. But they are very endearing little creatures. Large black pig, the one, and the Breeders' Club says they are distinguished by their gigantic size. They are the largest of the kind I have ever seen and as perfect a make as possible in pigs. Their heads are large with very long ears hanging down on each side of their face so that they can scarcely see their way. And that's by a chap called Parkinson in 1810. Ours has got a bit of room for growth then, I suspect, on that basis, <laughs> but it doesn't see very much. And actually, it's quite interesting, you said they're not very tame. The black one, because it doesn't see you coming, if, if she doesn't hear you and it catches sight of you when you're foot from her, it squeaks and runs, runs off. off yeah. And the Tamworth pig are amongst the oldest of breeds, but its population is rare and critical. And the animal is of ginger to red coloration and is thought to have descended from wild boars via native pig stock of Europe. Mm. And that's definitely right because we Makes said sense, to each it? other, the black pig looks like the most perfect pig off a film. Yeah. And the Tamworth yeah. looks a bit like a wild boar. Oh, yeah. Have you ever seen Babe? Film Babe? Oh, yes. That's yeah. such a lovely film. That's probably one of my all time favourite films, oddly. It's uh, not oddly. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that, you know, in, in Canada, a drive-in. I went to see Waterworld, and, and it was a completely dreadful film. A drive-in? But the world, the, the uh, yeah, it was, at the, oh, it was in the middle of nowhere. It was Did you the, have the tray on the side of the car, like Fred Coopies, Flintstone, think, and it tipped up? In the mountains in, in British Columbia. Yeah, no, it was, you, you go in there, and there was this little big screen in the middle of the field. You go and pull out the car, and we had some bits of snacks and things like that that we got from a shop. And, uh, and we watched Babe, and it was such a brilliant film. And I went back to our campsite. That night, we had a bear padding around the tent interestingly and <laughs> which wasn't really interesting <laughs> at all I was uh, you know it was, it was uncomfortable to say the least but the, uh, the film I stuck in I've kind of seen it a couple of times since then but it's I had you know it's had real meaning for me and that pig you know I just when that little beam of light goes down onto Babe as the farmer sat there and looks down at his pig and says that'll do pig that'll do just brings a little tear to your eye <laughs> and uh, <laughs> And I think, you know, I think there's going to be emotion here when, they, when those little guys go off to a better place. I've got a feeling, listening to this, that so far we've had a certain amount of bravado, but the most likely person to be upset <laughs> is Mr Pink Shirt yeah. himself. Yeah. <laughs> Mr Pink Shirt. <laughs> I, I've got to go to... On my list of things I must do is go to a drive-in movie after I saw Grease. Grease is the word, have you heard? You saw Grease at a drive-in movie? No, but they go to a drive-in movie. Did you snog in the car? I did. Uh, Quite possibly, yes. Yeah, Yeah. I don't think Sarah and I have been... Because I was with Sarah and we hadn't been together for that long then. So, yeah, Nookie was always on the agenda. (laughs) (laughs) What have you got on the table? (laughs) (laughs) Well, a couple of things. There's a cracking little book that's out. Part of the Green Books Guide. It's 
called Greening Your Office. And you gave me this this morning. I said, look, look, Rich, look. And there's a little picture of you. You're hardly recognisable, but I can, uh, I can tell it to you. Emptying a bag of bakashi into a bakashi bucket. Presumably this is a photo that's been taken in the office. And uh, it's great. So it's, it's given people the chance to be able to appreciate how to get rid of their, of their office waste uh, by doing something other than throw it into a, a black bin liner. So it's a great little book. Lots and lots of little handy tips. Quite a lot about flying in here, Hev. Did you, did you read any of that at all? Have you read any? Did you make any notes about it? Anyway. We'll, which we'll, of we'll, us, actually? Which we won't of dwell us, on that. Yeah, which of us has been on the most recent <laughs> flight, Richard? Ah, yes, most recent flight. As in recent, <laughs> as in the singular word. Which one of us has been on the furthest flight this flight year? Which one has been on the long-haul flight this year, Richard? Ah, yes, Richard. but long-haul, yes, but you could get a train to France you could get a train to Holland you could get a train to Ireland uh, you could you... <laughs> a train to Ireland well you, you could you, <laughs> How? you could go by a ferry How? and How? catch the, the uh, train terminals either side <laughs> of the ferry port so that's a very reasonable Stupid. thing to do However, you I'm can't sorry. get trains to South Africa in the how did you get to the how did you get to the EM conference in Bavaria? Uh, well, I, I wanted to go on the train, but you said, no, I couldn't go on the train. <laughs> now <laughs> you're going to take too long. No, I'm lying. You're totally fibbing. But I did, yeah, and of course I did fly there. Uh, it's a difficult one, isn't it? These debates, we have these debates in the office all the time about flying, so um, it'd be interesting to see. Uh, I, I mean, I, can, I imagine that, that most of the listeners will be uh, partaking a little bit of uh, flight travel themselves. And, and it's... Um, I, it's a difficult subject, isn't it? I feel bad about flying. But having said that, you kind of think, are you never going to go to a, a tropical rainforest? Are you never going to go to the Congo to see the gorillas? Are you never going to go to the Antipodes? Are you, you know, it's a difficult one, isn't it? I think if you feel strongly about it, you sit at home in your hovel and never go out and I'll go and find out about the stuff. <laughs> now, you've been doing an... I, en- <laughs> I should say, uh, I don't live in a hovel. <laughs> That is true, but <laughs> if, if you're to be completely uh, green, you should. With absolutely. no heating yeah, I mean, and no lighting. I mean, certainly the people, you, you, you've got to take the hats off to them um, that, that don't fly uh, for that reason. They say, I don't think we should take and, our hats off. I mean, I think that flying, I think flying to, to go to Europe or, or the Mediterranean for a short one-week, two-week holiday when people haven't seen a lot of the UK is, is slightly mad because there are some most, some of the most beautiful places in the world are, are, in, this, are in Britain. Um, so I think that's slightly unfortunate, but we won't we won't draw that. But it'd be You've been up to an energy audit, haven't you? What have you found in the Wiggly office? Well, we, we're... Rach and I had a little wander around the other day, and we're going to change some of our lighting, certainly, going to ensure that things like photocopiers and printers get turned off every night. I mean, there are facts like, for instance, I think that Oki printer we've got, you could probably knock out 1,500 copies of colour-printed paper for the, you know, for the same amount of energy that's, uh, that's used for living on standby all night. So those small, relatively small things are worth doing. So Rachel and I had a little shifty and uh, made sure. I think we are generally, we seem to be a, a relatively energy-conscious lot. Apart from you, in fact, <laughs> you're very naughty at not yeah. turning your machines off at you're the end right. of the night. But I think, it, I think you're going to make more of an effort as well, aren't you? I, I've already emailed you to say I'm going to make more okay. of an effort. OK, yeah, you did. I do it, commit to that. making more yeah. of an effort. Yeah, so, so Rachel and I did that. So that's quite fun. I've got to go and see Pippa back. Changing some halogen, big, those big old-fashioned halogen lights in the barn that go onto the store. Do you know those, Phil? They've probably been there 
for many years, I expect. No, no, we've changed them, Rich. The, oh, the, right. the sodium lights are very efficient. Are they, really? Very, very efficient. The sodium lights in the, in the top of the barn? Yeah, Those the orange ones. Yeah. They're very, very efficient. Are they, really? Yeah, much oh. better than the white tungsten halogen lights. Oh, right. Are they very, oh, very, very efficient or just very, very efficient? Well, to give you an idea, that the tungsten halogen lights are about 500 watts yeah. and the sodium lights, the orangey ones, are about 70 or 80 watts, depending oh, right. on which okay, ones they I are. Couldn't see, when I was looking at the rates, I, was, I said, I can't see the wattage. We couldn't see what the wattage was on the, from the at bulb. At worst, so. they're 250 watts, but the 250 watts give the light of two 500-watt tungsten lights. We've done a little bit of work and we've gone on to a metal halide one on the front of the house which looks like a sort of massive great thing and it lights mm. up the whole yard but having said that it's only 200 watts it replaced a 500 watt light that lit up just in front of the house Yeah. so that horses for courses Yeah, fantastic Talking of that, we went to um, Phil can update us on his biodiversity course and our Nuffield oh, Scholars Weekend. You know, I haven't asked Phil about his biodiversity course at all. I was astonished that he'd go on a biodiversity course. <laughs> Were <laughs> you? The word biodiversity, I thought for Phil, you know, that would be something to really shy away from. But, but it was put on by a spray company, wasn't it? <laughs> well, the reason that the chemical company, Bayer, are connected with the biodiversity course is because Bayer have long sponsored a group called the Farm Conservation Group that you may have heard of. And that was started as a means of trying to improve and reintroduce grey or English partridge ah, back right. into the wild right. and to ensure that there were habitat. And habitat is one of the most important things to get successful English partridge. Yeah, they, they have to have dry places with the right food that's quiet enough for them to thrive. If they don't have it, and this year has been a disaster for them because of the wet, yeah. the little tiny partridge chicks, they get too cold and they die or they drown, and it's just a nightmare, and it's quite a difficult bird to help succeed. So that was the starting point. Right. And as a result of that, they've done a lot of work in trying to measure what benefits, if any, various wildlife strips, beetle banks and so on, have done in the context of arable farming, mostly in and around Cambridgeshire. And I am a member of that group sponsored by Bayer, and we had a day course basically talking around what things we were and weren't doing, seeing some examples of some of the different funded projects to provide habitat or to protect habitat or different ways of using agrochemicals so that their environmental impact was reduced. Uh, I suppose there were about 15 of us, mostly from this side of the country, and it was quite informative, yeah. We, we had a good day. We were at Bruce Gilbert's, Bruce and Alison Gilbert's, over at Cannon Froome. Right. Yeah, it was, it was a good day. It was worth, worth going. Fantastic. Phil wants you good. to inspect good. his set-aside. Yes. Because yeah, he reckons there's loads of butterflies up there. No, it's great. That's what well, that, that's an that. issue that's coming up because... As the listener no doubt knows, because you've told them many times, we as farmers have steered away from planting habitat, per se. We've gone towards maintaining a network of hedges and maintaining the natural habitat that turns up in blocks around the farm and linking it together. Part of that natural habitat has been our set-aside fields, and we're just coming to the point where next year set-aside is going to end, so that, in theory, these fields have to come back into production which is quite an interesting thing because I think that we've created an area of enormous environmental benefit just in terms of a field that has been allowed to 
it's not unmanaged, but it has become a wildlife haven. Yeah. And I was up there the other day, and I noticed all sorts of butterflies and what have you that I haven't got a clue what they are. Right. And so the, great to see. It would well, be really interesting to see what they are. Yeah, well, be- because there's a bit of a loving going on between Richard and Phil... Never. Um, I feel that I trust you with the rest of the show, so I'm going to off to have lunch now. But just before I go, I thought I would share with you that the um, Tamworth is one of the longest-snouted pigs and actually could certainly earn its keep as a professional rotivator. <laughs> well, that's it. I guess we're gonna, we need to wind up. That was fantastic. I wind that. down, we ought to. Wind down? Well, no, do we, I don't think we do so much of that, do we? Winding down? No. <laughs> you said if we don't. wound up, then I would drive you mad again. Oh, I see. Yeah. I wind up as in finish. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I meant, yeah. Okay. Oddly. <laughs> Why don't we just drift away? Okay. <laughs> so it's drifting away from me? Yeah, drifting away from me too. Will I see you next week? God, possibly. Really? I think so. Nice surprise. Mm. Bye. Bye. You know, I haven't asked Phil about his biodiversity course at all. I was astonished that he'd go on a biodiversity course. <laughs> Were <laughs> Even you? the word biodiversity, I thought for Phil, you know, that would be something to really shy away from. But, but it was put on by a spray company, wasn't it? <laughs> well, <laughs> it, the, the connection... Biodiversity we have killed. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Phil. Poor mm. Phil.